Well, uh, I asked Pastor if we could do two things in the Sunday school hour. One, because you have been so faithful in supporting Northwest Baptist Assistance Ministry, I felt that you deserved a report. You get some ideas of things that are going on, but uh, uh, even though we experienced a pandemic this past year, uh, it was uh, it was a very very busy year, and um, we didn't do the traveling that we normally have been doing. But that was all right because God used us right where we were. Uh, my wife is home. She has, uh, uh, I explained to a couple of people, she's been really battling what they call sciatica problems. And uh, she does have AFib. She's been doing pretty good with that. And also she has um, uh, vertigo. And so uh, that's just something to be aware of and just pray about. Uh, one of the reasons that I wanted to be able to get to the supporting churches and the people and the pastors was because after this last year, we don't know how many more chances we're going to have to be able to do what we want to do. And so uh, you're one of the first on the list that I decided we're going to try to give you this report. Uh, one of the things that's happened in the last couple of years is that uh, you remember I did have bypass surgery several years ago, and uh, that was following my cancer surgery. And so, uh, by the way, I, I really appreciate all the sympathy I get from you folks. I have a good friend that's a pastor, and when he found out, Brother Jeff, that I had have a part of my colon taken out, he started reporting to everybody that all I had left was a semicolon. So anyway, <laughs> that's a lot of sympathy, you know? But anyway, uh, uh, that, that happened. But uh, following the bypass surgery, I did have a stroke. And uh, I did not get treatment because of what the doctors did for five hours. And uh, uh, they gave me the wrong medication and it affected my kidneys. So I had been getting kidney uh, evaluations every three months. And the last report was not good. So I have to get them every six weeks now. And uh, they are telling me that I need to have probably in the, in, within the next two or three months, I probably will have to have what they call or have a port put in because uh, I will be able to uh, have dialysis in. So uh, that's, that's okay. Uh, God's, God's in control. And uh, I'm just thankful that we have that ability. So I'm not saying this for sympathy or anything, but that does limit. I don't have as much energy as I had at one time. And... Uh, so if, if you do care to pray about that, I would much appreciate it. But I also want you to know that uh, we have just had uh, just an amazing year, but it's a sad year because we have lost due to uh, all that's going on. We've lost some dear friends. In fact, do you remember Bob Frex that came to the church here? He died. Yeah, he, got, he had uh, the two Moderna shots and he got covid and he talked to me when he was in the hospital, and he said, well, I'm on the ventilator. He said two weeks, and then I should be all right. And then he said, well, probably six weeks. But before the two weeks were up, he died. And uh, he was my uh, administrative assistant. And wow, what a loss. That was really, that was tough. I, I did have to conduct his funeral, so I lost him. And then some very dear friends of ours, missionaries in Germany, the uh, lady had cancer. She died. And the uh, husband, I think he was 87 or 89 years old, 
he fell after she was gone. And quite frankly, if my wife's not there, I could fall over a lot of things. So anyway, he fell just uh, just this last week and he died. And so those are dear friends. So those were sad things. And yet they're glad things because we know that they're with the Lord. And uh, that's that's a joy. Anyway, uh, beginning just about a year and a half ago, one of the pastors who's who I help, whose church I helped start in Puyallup, Washington. Uh, he was, he's a young man uh, and uh, he had bypass surgery. So I had to fill in for him for a while. Uh, and then uh, the, uh, I, I, I frequently speak at the Church of Galilee where I pastored all of those years. Uh, so that, that comes up. Uh, then, uh, let's see, trying to get, oh, then a year ago, just this next week, uh, the pastor of the church in the city that we now live, uh, Rich Corson, he had a son, 40 years old, 44 years old, I guess it was. He was swimming with his children in Lake Michigan and he drowned. And uh, so I had to fill in for him. And uh, that was really tough. He was gone for a month. And so I filled in for him. He came back and he was notified that his father, who lived in Arizona, had a stroke and he'd been lying on the garage floor for four days, at least four days. And uh, so he was the oldest child. He had to go down and take care of his dad. While he was down there, he had a heart attack. And after, <laughs> and, and I kept getting these calls, you pastor, you got to take over. And uh, so, and th that includes Sundays and Wednesdays and things like that. While he was down there being treated for his uh, heart attack, they did insert a stint, but when he did that, he ended up having another heart attack. So uh, he had uh, he had to extend there, and so it was uh, it was probably almost Christmas. That happened at the end of July. It was probably almost Christmas by the time he got home. So I filled in and uh, arranged for speakers for the church all that time. But during that time, a problem developed in a church in the middle part of the state, and it needed the pastor pleaded for me to help with the situation and uh, I met with the deacons and the pastor and uh, the result was is that the pastor resigned and the deacons were just devastated and so <laughs> I I volunteered to uh, to see that uh, they were covered so it was actually uh, six months that that he was after it was two months from the time he resigned until he left uh, but then uh, six months after that, uh, I went over to that church every month for the one Sunday every month. And then we filled in in the other churches as well, including the church right there in Cedar Woolley. So we've been quite busy and uh, we're, we're very happy because uh, the deacons uh, worked. I always, as you recall, when I worked with you, I have no authority. I'm not a bishop, I'm not an archbishop or anything. I have no authority as far as churches are concerned, but I can give advice. And when churches follow the advice, sometimes it works out well. It's wonderful when it works out well. And uh, so I, I did give that advice, and um, they ended up calling a pastor. He's been there for two weeks now, and the, pa the man that was pastor now is up at Columbia Falls. So the, there's a long story behind that, and I'll not bore you with all of it. But it's been a very busy time. Uh, the, well, then this, uh, this last week, the pastor of the church that I pastored for all those years uh, had a heart attack last week. <laughs> I don't know if I'm bad for these people or what. 
I'll be careful how I shake your hands, Jeff. But, uh, but, but, but nonetheless, uh, and, and uh, it's sad, but because I, I wrote to him, I said, Pastor, I want to help you all I can, but I am really booked for quite a while now. And, and I've always had this protocol that the churches that uh, uh, asked first, I went to first, if, if the, I, I tried to keep that commitment. In fact, just kind of a little aside, that was one of the problems that uh, Joel had with me because I already had a commitment to speak at a 15th anniversary that the church where I was going had, and it had been long, long in advance. And he, Joel, <laughs> called me and said, you've got to come and you've got to come now. And I said, I can't. I already have another commitment. And uh, so, uh, unfortunately, uh, he did not uh, understand. But but that that is our protocol that we tried to follow. So anyway, uh, the days ahead look better, uh, look better, not better, better. Uh, God's good. And you know, I've been able to use the things that I've had uh, for God's glory. I've been able to use it for a witness. We live in a senior citizens community. And uh, I was looking for something for my wife in case I wasn't around where she would have security. And this does. It has security. I mean, you've got to, you, you've got to have a keypad to get in and get out, and uh, especially during the night hours. And so I was very, very uh, conscious of that for my wife's sake. Uh, so I, I am facing the idea of the, um, uh, the uh, kidney issues. But in the middle of all that, they now tell me that this week, next Thursday morning, if you want to pray for me, I'm going to have, have a um, nuclear uh, heart test. And uh, so uh, I, I think I'm all right. It's just that uh, I keep telling myself I'm all right. And uh, th so, uh, that, again, I'm not telling you that to, to evoke sympathy or anything like that. But anyway, uh, and I, I wanted to deliberately get here a little early so I could spend some time with you and could spend some time with the pastor if he wanted the time. I always have to be very careful that I don't intrude upon the pastor's time. So we had a blessed time of fellowship yesterday morning, and uh, at least it was blessed for me. And I kind of told him about some of the things that were going, some of the things I've told you. It's important, you know, in the book of Acts, we find that when the Apostle Paul uh, came back, they came and reported to the churches. And so it's very biblical that I give you a report. And uh, I felt that that was good. But in the middle of that, I said, uh, I'm going to, I told pastor, I want to do something. I've never done this. I've been pastoring since 1964. I've never before done what I'm doing this morning. I thought maybe I would show you some things that I'm working on right now as far as a PowerPoint presentation. This is not a finished product, all right? But I thought maybe you would be glad to see how we start developing something and start filling in the blanks. So there will be, this particular presentation will be uh, an enlarged, refined presentation. But I thought in the meantime, uh, it, uh, it is very helpful. Uh, did I, I'm, I'm going to be speaking at the church in Townsend tonight. Did I show, the, use the PowerPoint presentation last year called World Leaders? Did I, not last year, two years ago? No, it, no you probably did, you probably did. Because that's pretty new. But anyway, the world is really, the world leaders are really wringing their hands. Uh, I just heard a commentator, not, not from the public uh, press, but from what they call the parallel press, saying the whole world is looking for a leader right now. <laughs> and I'd say that's true. Germany is a mess. 
France is a mess. Uh, Australia is a mess. Uh, we know uh, Iran, who knows what's going on there. Uh, they don't even let you know the body count there right now. Uh, it's, it's a mess. The world is looking for a leader. So I've entitled this one. This, this is a developing PowerPoint, all right? And if you have suggestions, I'll probably smile and say thank you, and then I'll think about it, all right? And uh, it, may be, it may be that it's a very good suggestion, and I can uh, clarify some things. But what I'm going to do is just kind of work through this and uh, the world is looking for leaders and they are saying we need to watch out because they even know that if you get the wrong one, it can be very, very dangerous. By the way, something that really worries me, this is a matter of record. It really worries me. Um, in fact, I didn't know this until I did some research. Do you know that in the 1980s, our president said what we need is a world government? In the 1980s. That's quite a while ago. And there's been many of them say this. And then the vice president, when she talked about the southern border, she said, it's not our duty to secure the southern border. We need to call in the United Nations and have them solve that problem. <laughs> I don't think the United Nations has a very good track record as far as solving problems are concerned. But uh, that shows you the mindset of the world. It also shows you that if you had somebody that's very charismatic, they could rise to the surface very quickly and you're probably way ahead of me already thinking this could happen, couldn't it? And so the world is looking and they're saying uh, we better watch out. But the child of God, those who know the scriptures, respond and they say, we look up. <laughs> Aren't you glad? You know, there's all kinds of controversy about who is the president, who's not the president. I want to tell you, my king sits in heaven. Aren't you glad for that today? <laughs> and I talked to him this morning. I can't talk to the President of the United States. I can't talk to the governor of our state. I can't talk to the governor of this state. I can't talk to the governor of my state. I don't even know what's going on as far as he's concerned right now. It's a, it, things are a mess. But uh, aren't you glad that uh, we look up? Well, we do that because we are convinced that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming again. And I'll just show this picture. I, you may have uh, seen this before, but the age that we're living in ends at the rapture. By the way, what time is this? There's no clock here. Oh, I see. And it ends at what time? Uh, quarter till ish. Quarter to ish, okay. That's really nice because I take the term from the next guy, you know, in, 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 <laughs> in the next service. Well, uh, we know this, that... Uh, when you read the book of Matthew, for example, you go through Matthew chapters 1 through 12, and you'll see all kinds of miracles that the Lord Jesus Christ did. And then they came to this one, and, and they said he did what he did by the power of Satan rather than by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And Jesus said he really rebuked him. He rebuked those Pharisees and those, those Jewish leaders. And they, he said, in effect, that's it. That's it. I'm going to be working. I'm going to build upon this rock, the fact that I am Jesus Christ, the fact that I am God. Upon this rock, I will build my church. So from there on, we find that he is talking about the fact that he is going to be working, especially with the church. And you're part of that this morning. You have honored the Savior by gathering together as a group of believers. You, you quoted that verse, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves. Well, so there are some events that uh, following the rapture, 
I, I'm going to show you another slide, and I know you've seen the next one. I've, I'm going to show you. We do know that there's a little, as, as we've really developed the theology of this whole thing, we do know that there's probably a little space of time, some space of time anyway, from the time that the rapture takes place and we're gone and the actual signing of the covenant takes place, all right? Which, of course, initiates the tribulation period or Daniel's 70th week. So, and of course, Daniel says that the 70 weeks are basically this, this time period are determined on thy people. Who's that? That's Israel. That's the Jewish people. They're determined on thy people and upon thy holy city, which is Jerusalem, all right? So, by the way, do you know of any other city in the world that receives so much world attention right now than Israel or Jerusalem? I mean, it is a nexus of intention. Well, very interesting. I'm, I'm really compressing some things, and you may say you need to fill in some blanks in between, and, and that's, good. that's a good suggestion. We do know this, that Israel, during that tribulation period, will have no nation defending her. And that now includes the United States of America, sadly. The United States of America has been a real defender. And under the former president, uh, Jerusalem was given wonderful status because that's where the embassy for the United States was located. It was also under his administration that that whole Golan High set to, <laughs> that uh, was where Syria came in and kept bombing uh, Israel was really basic, giving back to Jewish control. And he, in fact, said, along with the Jewish people said, we are never going to give it back. I've been up there. I've been able to see the road that leads you right to Damascus, which, of course, is very interesting. So he said, uh, in that day, I'll make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people, all the bur that burden themselves, and it shall be cut off, be cut in pieces. That's toward the end of the tribulation. And all th through all the people of the earth shall be gathered together against it. Now, this is very interesting. We, uh, I, I will tell you, there are some things, I've been doing a lot of work, a lot of studying on this. And I came across some things that uh, were very, very fascinating. I talked to a pastor about this just yesterday. Uh, in Ezekiel chapter 37, you know, we have that first part of it talks about Ezekiel seeing the vision of the Valley of Dry Bones, all right? And the bones come together, the flesh comes on it, but it said it has no spirit in it. It had no life in it at that particular point. But when we get to the 10th verse, it says, so I prophesied as he commanded. In other words, it says the Holy Spirit of God commanded, and he, breath came into him, and so he prophesied, and as a result, as a result of the Spirit's prophesying, Basically, they got saved. There are a large number of Jewish people. By the way, there, is a, there are the four gleanings of Jewish people getting saved. The last time I was in Israel, my Jewish guide, who was a Christian, was so excited because at that particular time, they know that there were 15,000 bona fide Christians. And when it became a nation in 1948, it was a very small group of actual Jewish people that lived in the land. I just received a report from a very credible source and said, this has not been a whole lot of time since then. There are now are over 30,000 born-again believers. It's the first fruits that's happening right now. It's happening right now. God's word is being fulfilled, folks. I mean, it's glorious to think about that. It's just coming together. So it tells us here, though, it says, and stood up upon their feet an exceeding great army. Woo! An exceeding great army. Where is that coming from? Well, I want to tell you, anti-Semitism is 
rising exponentially in the United States of America. Now, <laughs> the former prime minister in Israel said some things that were probably offensive to some people. He said, we need the United States, but the United States needs us. I may have told you this in the past, but my son has, very, has become very close to an um, Israeli pilot, one that flies the F-35s. They actually bring those Jewish pilots over to the United States because the Jewish pilots have had to learn under military war conditions how to use them, and they can teach our pilots things that we don't know. In fact, they are training in the bases in Western Washington, our pilots from Israel. So, and out of that, they're finding out that there are a lot of Jewish pilots that are in those ranks. Not all of them are believers, obviously, but, but, but by the way, this man's name is Asher, of all things, and he's very sympathetic to the gospel, very sympathetic. The big thing he has to decide is, can, can, I, can I embrace the gospel and still be a Jew? That's, that's, what he's, that's what he's struggling with. So there is a great anti-Semitism in the United States. Jewish people in this country, and we can prove this very easy, uh, easily, they are buying property in Israel, they're buying condos, and they have what they call the renter's agreement, whereas if they decide they have to come to Israel, the people that are living there are going to have to vacate so that they can come back. That, that's, that's just, that's just a, an agreement that they have, and we can document that quite easily. Uh, but that's happening in France. Europe is very anti-Semitic as far as Jews. It's happening in England. So there could be, they now know that there is a great influx of people coming from the United States, coming from the Europe. Now, uh, what I would have given me, uh, messages on prophecy in the last few years, I probably would have told you that uh, there were probably about 7 million people, Jewish people in the United States at that particular time, and 6 million Jew Jewish people in Israel. And then there were, uh, there were another three million that were scattered throughout the world. Now we know that there are over seven million people in Israel that are Jewish. And the Jewish population in the United States has actually declined. Uh, I don't want to throw too much at you. And this is not totally germane, but I went online this morning and tried to check some things out. Uh, I'm very concerned about the fact that our government has some uh, alliances with other governments that I'm not very uh, happy with. Uh, do you know, for example, if you Google in uh, Washington, D.C., London, and the Vatican, you Google it in and say what the connection between Washington, D.C., uh, London, and the Vatican, you'll find out that there is a triad connection. And each one has a particular area of responsibility. They say, by the way, you know, do you not, that Washington, D.C. is not really a part of the United States. It's a separate corporation. You can check that out very easily. Just Google it. Uh, sorry, I me. Mean, that's a little rabbit trail, okay? <laughs> but, but it's interesting though, isn't it? I mean, don't you think it's interesting to know? <coughs> uh, not too long ago, we had a report that a Muslim came into a doctor's residence in France, in, in Paris, and uh, he threw her out the window, and she was the third floor, and she died. 
he was Muslim, and they let him go through because he felt like she was being anti-Muslim. And that was it. No, no, no penalty or anything. My point is, is that anti-Semitism is going to push people to, get to Israel in huge amounts. We can watch that even now. Don't be surprised if you hear about some of our very, very top-line uh, military minds, especially if they retire, going to Israel because they're Jewish. And uh, so this exceeding great army, isn't it interesting? Ex the scriptures talk about it, exceeding great army. It's not just an army, it's an exceeding great army. <clears throat> now, they have an exceeding great army, but, you know, Netanyahu said, if we don't, in fact, the new prime minister says the same thing, if we don't have anybody else to defend us, we'll defend ourselves. How do they have that much confidence? Well, <clears throat> if you read the reports, I don't know that a week has gone by in recent months. First of all, that there aren't rockets coming into Israel. They found out something very interesting during June and late May, and that is, is that if you send so many rockets from Lebanon, from Hamas, from Syria, from all of those places, some of them are going to get through. They have that iron drum that has worked, and it's, it, uh, normally they figure they're going to be able to stop 95% of the problem. During that particular raid, they felt like they actually were able to intercept 99% of the problem, but it only takes one. <laughs> and not only that, we know that Israel has compromised the telemetry of the rockets coming in from Iran. So don't be too surprised if someday that Muslim edifice on the Dome of the Rock is suddenly evaporating. <laughs> I'm just telling you, the news ahead of the news, all right? But we shouldn't be surprised at that because God has a plan. And aren't you glad the world wrings their hands and we say, hallelujah. Uh, you know, next week I'm going to be preaching on the rewards of the believers at a church there in Western Washington. I won't go into that, but I'll tell you what, folks, the glory the joy, the thrill of just being with the Savior. We're going to talk a little bit about that in the morning's message this morning. But anyway, Israel will experience the Gog and Magog alliance. We're going to show a picture of that in just a minute. But uh, Israel will have a small nation protest. And I shouldn't say small, a small nation. There are some, some small nations. That's a correction. The thing that was very fascinating is that You've heard about the Abrahamic Accords that were developed under President Trump? If you look at the historical background, almost every single one of those people were people that their names are really mentioned in Ezekiel chapter 38. <laughs> Glory! We're not surprised. Just think about that. Ezekiel prophesied how long ago I mean it's like reading your paper I guarantee you it's better than CNN it's certainly better than ABC in fact we don't even have television anymore because uh, I just didn't want to pay for that stuff because um, <laughs> the uh, if you heard one you heard them all I felt and so uh, I didn't want to do that but, but that's, that's my problem. That's nobody else's problem. But that's just the way it was. I, I just didn't want to do it. I find almost it's everything I want on the Internet. I, I, I do get, get just massive amounts of news there. And it's accurate. It's accurate. You have to watch it. 
some of them are very are very uh, suggestive and they don't have all of that but that's an area where I do need to correct uh, it's it's there are some small nations that protest but all they do is protest because they don't have the ability to do anything else okay here is where we have what I was telling you you see where that little blue cloud is I, I drew this out and my wife was the one that really helped do this and I really she really did a great job we're going to look at Psalm 83 in just a moment that involves Israel or Syria and the nations contiguous to Israel and we do know this both in Jeremiah and in Isaiah and uh, Jeremiah very clearly and Zechariah at least uh, not not as much but they all say that Damascus is going to be destroyed that it's it, and even if you hear about Damascus, you will hear people say, "Well, it's so bad that uh, these uh, Israelis are bombing all around uh, Damascus." That is the oldest city in the world. Damascus has always been there. Even the secular people say Damascus has always been there. But Isaiah, Jeremiah, and I feel Psalm 83 says Damascus is going to be history. It's going to be like a wheel grinds over them. Psalm 83. Now, I've tried to get this all lined up. I was talking about the past to the pastor just about this a little bit yesterday. In Ezekiel 38, we're going to look at those nations that do come down. And I personally think as a result of that Psalm 83, Isaiah and Jeremiah war, <coughs> especially with Damascus, because right now Syria is held up by the country of Iran, right? And Iran is, saw, is subsidized by Russia, right? So if Damascus is destroyed, and it looks like it's a pretty bad destruction, if it totally destroys. Uh, I had uh, one of the men that I had the privilege of leading to the Lord was, uh, was responsible for going in after the bombing of uh, Nagasaki. And he said, you cannot believe that atomic bomb. It just melted everything. He said, I can still see people coming into the the clinic to be treated and he said the flesh would mold, melted from their face and their eyeballs were hanging down and that that's how it was that's that was what that was going on so whatever happens as far as Damascus is concerned is really massive and of course that would mean and this could be very quickly this could happen very quickly that would mean Iran has to respond amen does that make sense Iran has to respond and if Iran has to respond who else has to respond Russia, Turkey, and all those other nations. We'll look at that in just a minute. I also believe that that has to happen because we find, as we read Ezekiel chapter 39, it takes seven years for them to clean up the mess. And how long is it, 70th week? Seven years. Seven years. Uh, and by the way, even at the end of that seven years, there is a little time period after the Lord Jesus Christ comes back to earth. I personally think that the Lord Jesus Christ is going to get rid of all of the wickedness. He's going to get rid of all of the pornography. He's going to get rid of all of the child molestation. He's going to get all of that, rid of all of that. I mean, it's going to be a total cleanup. Glory, hallelujah. I mean, that's really great news, isn't it? Sometimes you think, it's so massive. It's worldwide. I want to tell you, King Jesus can take care of it. Amen? He comes with a blazing, fiery <coughs> sword, and he can take care of it. It's going to take uh, seven years I mean, after that seven-year period, he's going to be able to clean up all that wickedness. But I also have a conviction that uh, it probably is during that time 
where we are going to be giving our assignments, where we're going to be able to rule and reign with Christ. And, uh, you know, my wife and I have talked about this a lot. Uh, I was in Ghana, West Africa, where they deported the slaves that came to all over the world. Portugal was probably one of the nations that was the biggest slave trading nation around. And they sent a lot of those slaves to South America and to the islands and, of course, the United States. And I think about those slaves. They were cruelly treated, but they loved the Lord. Some of those Negro spirituals have a lot of depth. They really have a lot of depth. You think, oh, my. And, you know, those slaveholders who profess to be born-again Christians, if they really were Christians, they could find themselves way down and they could find the former slaves way up. Amen? Because God is a God of just God. Aren't you glad for that? He knows all about us. And by the way, this church, what was it originally started for? An African-American church. Amen? Isn't God wonderful how he vindicates himself? You understand why I get the place where I want to say glory to God? It's all right for Baptists to say amen once in a while. You know, it's, it's okay. Uh, <laughs> but I hope that chart makes some sense to you. And, and uh, you know, there was a time Marilyn said, you know, hon, you know, I, I'm, I, I don't know about that Psalm 83. And I said, well, I still believe it, but I won't be quite as dogmatic until I get up some more study. Then, of all things, we found out several men that were PhDs, and I came to this on my own. Well, there were several men with PhDs and THDs. They said, Psalm 83, that's where it stands. I said, Hun, what do you say? <laughs> it's really nice, husbands. It's really nice when we're right. Amen? I mean, it's, it's, it's really great. Well, so I hope that chart is helpful. Uh, now, I want to go back just a little bit because historically, there is a precedent for this. Paul would have known about the, uh, the declarations of the Talmudist. Uh, those are the commentaries, uh, commentators, the, the Jewish. Uh, they would not have been sympathetic to what we believe at all as far as Christ is Messiah. But they did say that uh, uh, this, one, this Raphael Ptah said, uh, it became entrenched that the coming of the Messiah, in other words, when he comes to set up his kingdom, will be preceded by increased, greatly increased suffering, which, of course, is the tribulation period. Revelation chapter 6 through 19. That's what it's all about. Uh, this will last seven years. Isn't this amazing? Seven years. What do we believe? It's going to last seven years. <clears throat> now, this is important. Because when Paul talks about uh, the coming of the, the, the rapture of the church, he tells the people in that church at Thessalonica, you, the church, has not been appointed to wrath. Amen? Revela uh, first, second, first, second, five, uh, nine and ten. So I'm just going to skip over this because I see what's happening to my time here. But it's going to be a time of horrible. By the way, that Ezekiel 38 thing is really amazing. They had this great coalition. I'm going to show you a slide of that in just a moment. But they have this great coalition. But one of the things with this great coalition, they can't understand each other. All right. You have people from Turkey, you have people from Russia, you have people from Northern uh, Africa, you have people from Syria, you have people from Iran, you have all those people. They can't communicate with each other. So there's confusion in the ranks of the people. 
But, uh, and Israel, of course, is defending themselves. They have a great army that's going to defend themselves. Uh, but the real, the real terror is going to be the terror that comes from heaven. There's going to be horrible, horrible things hap happening as far as uh, that's come from heaven, including all kinds of earthquakes. And it's going to be so bad that Gog and Magog, the leaders of that whole thing, say, we're out of here. The trouble is, when they're out of here, you come to Ezekiel chapter 39, only one-sixth of their army is left. They are really wiped out, all right? Uh, and of course, when they're gone, uh, Iran collapses. Uh, the nations in southern and northern uh, Egypt collapse. Turkey collapses. And Turkey is so fragile right now, it could collapse at any time, uh, even financially. And Israel is going to feel that uh, we've won it. We've done it. There will be those who do. This is again, again, very, this, this is just before the actual covenant is signed. Uh, and they're going to look at this and say, wow, we've won. But, by the way, someone at the back, would you read the last three verses of uh, Obadiah? How many times have you heard people preach from Obadiah? Can I have somebody read? I think about the last three verses from Obadiah. So Israel's right to the land has been established, which, of course, totally deflects what Syria wanted and totally annihilates what the uh, people from Gog and Magog wanted. Okay, Richard, do you have that? And they of the south shall possess the mountain Esau, and they proclaim the Philistines, and they shall possess the fields of Ephraim and the fields of Samaria, and Benjamin shall possess Gilead, and the captivity of this host of the children of Israel shall possess, possess that of the Canaanites, even unto Zerubbabel. Now, do you realize how much territory that covered? All of Samaria, which includes the West Bank. Obadiah says, that's yours. Uh, Samaria. Also, it includes all, in fact, goes over on over the to the east side of the Sea of Galilee and or Jordan. It gets really, really close to the land that was given to them by the covenant that God made with Abraham. It's real, real close as a result of that. So, and by the way, the Edomites were the ones that uh, just hated the Jewish people. They wouldn't allow them to come into their land when they were coming from Edom. Egypt, they hated them. And they danced with joy when Babylon came in and was destroying uh, uh, Jerusalem uh, when uh, in the Babylonian take, uh, takeover. There was always that tension. There's another little trail I could go down, but I, I must not do that, okay? But at that particular point, something very logical I don't have a scripture verse to prove this, but something very logical does occur. Right now, we know that there are Jewish people in the land, as per the last election, 
they are willing, they said, give us an accord so we don't have to have any more battles. And if you have somebody that is charismatic, I think it's going to be a European, possibly a European Jew, who is very, very um, able to be a good communicator and everything, and rises up and has the respect of other world leaders and says to the Jewish leaders, if you, uh, if you do what we say, we will allow you to have your land, guarantee you that you can have your land, and you can build your temple. And I have a feeling that the Jewish people are going to sign that covenant just like that. I guess I should say just like that, all right? Has that been interesting? All right. And you can give me comments. And, uh, oh, I didn't, I, I should send, I should put out some of my uh, prayer cards if you don't have one. Pray for us. And uh, you can send email to us and we'll try to respond to that. If I don't respond to it, I'll have my wife respond to it and you'll be able to understand everything she says. <laughs> Father, thank you so much for the time. We, the more we read your word and the more we see what's going on in this society and this world today, we just can't help but say glory, hallelujah. We know the King, we know the Lord, we know the one who has a plan. So we trust you in everything in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much.